Good morning. Man, it's so good to see everyone back. You look full and healthy from Thanksgiving. Man, nobody had to waddle in. It was great. Um, thank you to Mike and Rachel for sharing their testimony of the all-in. If, if you're new or just unfamiliar with what that is, they did a great job of sharing. It's, it's this journey as a church that we've been going through together of committing all of our resources, our time, our, our abilities, um, you know, things that we're gifted in. Wow, I'm two for two in services so far. It, it's, it's all of us giving and investing in what God has so blessed us with to give back to what he's doing here. And, and you know, there's a building attached to this that we're desiring to see happen, but we, it's not about that box. That's just a tool for us to love and, and minister to the folks here at Solid Rock, but also the community that God has placed us in and has faithfully been providing resources and changing lives through his story of redemption and so it is just an amazing thing to be a part of that and so again thankful for Mike and Rachel sharing their testimony of how God has led them in that and and if you have any other questions please let us know that many of us are on that journey and we would love to have uh, an opportunity to answer what those questions may look like and how it would look like for you to be a part of it as well. Um, today we're going to be in Psalms 34 and as you're doing that, just before we get too far down the road and I forget to say who I am, we're going to do it now. So if I haven't had the opportunity to introduce myself or we just haven't crossed paths yet, my name is Nick Hill and I have the opportunity and honor of serving here at Salt Rock as the pastor of Community and Mission and um, love it. Um, there's nothing I would rather do more than just be here with God's people, love being here at Salt Rock and I've uh, just been very fortunate and blessed by God to be in a church that is just so loving and giving as you all have been. And so we're going to be looking at Psalms 34 today and, and looking at the, the infamous passage in Psalms of taste and see that the Lord is good and in this call uh, to, to praise God. And so if you're not familiar with the Psalms, the Psalms are this collection of stories or these Psalms of laments and praises and, and uh, opportunities to declare who God is and, and to speak freely in this personal uh, stories almost and, and how it differs from other books of the Bible like the laws, the books of the law and things is where God is speaking to his people about who he is. In the Psalms, we see this uh, position of the people speaking to God directly um, about what's going on in their everyday life, personal stories, things that are happening in their family or things that are happening uh, in the nation or in the world for them. And, and crying out to God, we see Psalms of lament and, and hurt and suffering. And then we see Psalms of praise and, and we see these um, wonderful theological uh, uh, truths about who God is come out in these these psalms and the people um, crying out saying, God, we, we long for your justice, your presence, your glory, your peace. And, and it's just this amazing uh, collection here in the Old Testament of these psalms point to Christ. These psalms point to the story of redemption that is happening. And we see it throughout the whole Old Testament. We see it throughout the New Testament. Here at Salark, we've seen through testimonies how God is continually redeeming his people. And so, specifically in uh, Psalms 34, we have David, King David, as the author. And he's praising God in the midst of his suffering. And that's the kind of the context of what's happening is David is running from his life from Saul. Um, he's even had to at some point act like a crazy man so that they would just kind of dismiss him and leave and just say, let's just leave him alone. And so he's 
crying out to God in Psalm 25. He's lamenting of all these things that are happening. But in Psalms 34, even in the midst of his suffering, he, he writes this wonderful psalm of praise to God. And I don't know about you, but when life is not going the way I think it should go, which is often, um, it is normally not intuitive for me to praise God in the midst of when it's not going right. Um, whether that's watching one of my kids break something valuable in the moment. I'm not saying, oh, God, you're so amazing. It's, oh, no, how much did that cost? And, and, and to be honest, in the midst of suffering, I, I, I tend to turn back into myself and to my sin. I become discontent with the circumstances, become discontent with people around me, um, family, wife, kids, friends. I become discontent with who God is and where God has placed me in life whenever things become uncomfortable or no longer go in my way. And I think all of us can agree that, that we live in a fallen world. And so I don't know where you're at in, in your life and what's going on, whether it's severe suffering that's going on. Maybe it's because of poor choices you're making and disobedience, or maybe it's choices that someone else has made. Or just the fact that we live in this fallen world. We, we touched on this last week of looking at how the gospel and suffering works together. Or how God uses the gospel in suffering. But we see David saying, let's praise God continually. So join me in Psalms 34. If you don't have a Bible, there's a number of them underneath the chairs. Please feel free to use those. And if you don't have one, please take it home. It's a gift. That's what it's there for. And, and use it to join along with us. Um, Psalms 34, starting in verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let, the, let us exalt his name together. As we begin this um, first three verses, you see these words standing out at all times and continually giving praise. See, David's not looking at us saying circumstantially. He's not saying wait till the end of the suffering so then we can kind of gather together, recap, and kind of weigh out where God was present and where God wasn't present or how we, how we weigh out whether we won in the circumstances or not. He's saying that at all times, suffering or not, we will continually be praising Christ. And he also describes two different things. One by his mouth, through his words, his actions, his deeds, the exterior. But he also says in verse 2 that it says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. He's talking about his whole being will continually be in praise. He's not looking at it being a weekly thing or a by, uh, by a couple times throughout the week. He's saying a continual position of the heart, the soul, to be in praise of who God is at all times continually. Man, that is such a beautiful thing to see. And we have to remember in this moment he's writing that his life is in danger. And he's looking and saying who God is. That my soul, my lips, at all times continually, I will praise you. When we look at trouble and we think about what's going on, um, like I said, I, I tend to turn inward. I tend to, to become discontent with things going on. And we start to see this imbalance of sin and suffering becoming more weightier and heavier as I continue to view it through the lens of myself, through the lens of my sins. 
But when David is calling us and not just sharing what he's doing, but calling all of us to join in with him is to make much of God and to make little of the circumstances. Because it's not about the sin and the suffering that has power. It's who God is. A mighty, wonderful God of the universe that we can praise in the small discomforts of life to the extreme sufferings that we experience. Consider 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is not just some recipe, a two plus two formula to say, hey, here's how you deal with bad situations or tough times. Is just sing a song or read God's word and pray and you'll be fine. Just move on. God has an intentional purpose and plan when he uses things in our lives and calls us in the midst of suffering. He calls us in the midst of heartache and he calls us in the midst of our sin to say, I have a purpose and a plan for you. The will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we see David continue in verse 4, this elevation of who God is. And he begins to submit himself in transparency and humility. As in verse 4, he, he submits himself saying, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. See, David, the very fact that David cries out to God is recognizing that I'm in need, right? That this is something beyond my control, that I'm in need of something superior, of better quality, one that can actually be outside of my circumstances that can help me. And so by humbling himself and saying, I sought the Lord, he, and he answered me. And he describes in Psalms 25 all the fears that are going on as his life is being threatened, as he's being chased by Saul. And he's basically just being honest about what's going on, about the things he's afraid of and the things he fears, the things he doesn't want to happen, the things that could happen. And so he says, I'm going to describe all these fears to you, not just the big ones, but the subtle things that kind of run around in our minds, the, the ones of the what if or could happen, the, the, the hypotheses of things that we think may happen in our life or may not happen in our life. So when he says all my fears, he means all of the fears. And he delivered them. In verse 6, you see that this poor man cried out and how, how David is describing himself before the Lord. And the Lord in his goodness heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. And it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. When we think about fear of the Lord, um, you know, we can get caught up in the idea of fear of being afraid. But what we're talking about is reverence and awe of who God actually is. From beginning of creation till we see uh, the, the story of history unfold in Revelation, we see this faithful, creating, loving, just God who in his mercy hears the cries of those who call out to him. From our personal experiences and testimonies to what we see um, in, in scripture, we see a God who delivers us from our circumstances and our choices he doesn't always change what's happening in our life, but he meets us 
when we feel brokenhearted and downtrodden, when our soul and our spirit feels crushed by choices we've made or continue to make or why other choices are made that impact us. One commentator speaks about that unbelievers make statements about life and truth. He says, but they do not have true or ultimate knowledge until they are in a redemptive relationship that is in reverent awe of who God is. Because that is the true reality. God speaks to us in his word. He reveals himself saying, this is who I am. I am your God. I am your Lord. Here is my covenant that I'm making with you. And then we see over and over again, him become faithful to the unfaithful. Over and over and over and over and over again. We see God have grace and patience with us. He, we see God hold us to righteousness. And, and when uh, the Israelites or even ourselves, we step out of line in disobedience, how he holds us to that with his justice. And the knowing of who God is leads to this maturity and this wisdom to live out the biblical life that God has called us to. And this fear of the Lord drives our hearts for praise. It establishes joy and fulfillment in all of life experiences, no matter what they are. Because the fear of the Lord puts everything back into perspective of him where he belongs as the utmost highest and us in need of him. One of the things I would love to encourage us as a church, as individuals, is as we go through life and circumstances begin to change because of choices we make or, or life that just happens suffering and fear begins to well up inside of us. And let me be honest with you, when we feel fear and anxiety and things like that, sometimes it's really hard to put your finger on what that is or what you're feeling. So what I would love to encourage you to do is just begin to write down whatever that feeling of fear is. What do you think is contributing to it or what you know is contributing to it? And be faithful to take that list and take it before the Lord in prayer. And begin to ask God to reveal himself in that situation Because one of the things we often will find out is that our view of God is way too small. The very fact that we go through our lives on a daily basis without taking those things to God in in every moment in faith reveals that our view of God is so small. And our view of ourselves is too big. And we, we attempt over and over again with futility to control situations. We attempt to soothe ourselves, to, to dig our way out of situations that we got ourselves in instead of just recognizing who he is and that he has a will and a purpose for whatever is happening in all circumstances for the glory of Christ. Because when we think about who he is, that he's the one who answers when we cry, He's the one who delivers. He saves us. Um, He's the one who makes sure that we are rescued. When we start putting those attributes of who God really is, when we start thinking about the true theology of God, how can we not have a heart that's postured in praise? How can we not have a heart that's postured in praise? So we want to praise God continually, but we also want to praise God wholeheartedly. In verse 8 of Psalms 34, it reads, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Folks, what David's describing is the goodness of who God is. And to have a heart um, to praise God wholeheartedly is that we have to be people of faith in him. He's asking us to step out, to look beyond our circumstances, to look beyond our situations and look to who he is and say it doesn't matter what's going on in life. It doesn't matter how overwhelming the situation is. I can look to who God is, my refuge, and I can step out in faith. Because if you remember back in 1 Thessalonians, it says he has a will and a purpose. He has a plan for everything. And so in that, we know we can step out in faith. I'm going to be honest with you guys. So often when God is trying to grow me and he's calling me to step out in faith, I'm like, God, meet me 99.99%. I'm like, God, if you could do 100%, that would be awesome. Right? We just kind of want it all easy. We want it all just handed to it on a silver platter. Because why? We fear. We're afraid. But God is saying, no, don't look at the fear. Don't look at those things. I'll take care of you. I will deliver you from all of those things. Maybe not from that circumstance. Maybe he won't change everything for you in that moment, but he'll meet you in that moment. And he says, step out in faith and go as far as you can go, and I will meet you the rest of the way. Because it's our faith in him is what's going to sustain us. And when we do that, we can actually taste and experience and see that the Lord is good. But if we don't take that step of faith, we don't experience that goodness. We end up denying that in our life. We end up denying God in our life when we don't take that step of faith. To praise God wholeheartedly is to be sanctified. If you look back in verse 5 of 34, it talks about that our faces will be radiant and never put to shame. That sounds like a changed person, right? A sanctified person. That's somebody who's no longer what they were, but now is something new. And this progression of sanctification that is happening through God and his will of making us more and more like him. So look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, or just let me read this over you. In verse 18 it says, And we all, believers, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Folks, we were made in His image. It was marred in sin. And He, through sanctification and the story of redemption of the cross, is continually making us one degree or another back into the image that He created us in. There is intentional and there is purpose. There is sanctification that is happening in our lives. And because of that, he is worthy to be praised. To praise God more biblically and genuinely is to be sanctified by God. It's not about doing more things. It's about allowing God to meet you in your sin and your suffering within your heart, within your soul. Because it's not just about mouth service and mouth lip singing. It's about our whole being being postured in a position towards God of who he is and saying you are worthy to be praised. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I have more than enough to praise. So to praise God wholeheartedly is also to take refuge in him. I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to clean up a mess and you just made it worse? 
you know, like there's grape juice and you, then you grab the like lace doily that grandma made and you try to clean that up and you pull the lamp and knock that over. When I try to take refuge within myself, it's worse than that. You would think, this is my old theology, you would think I would know better, but I don't. I have to be reminded every day to take refuge in who he is. To dwell continually in his presence and his protection, not just with our mouths, but with our every being, our soul. And one of the things that God calls us to is to live in obedience, to not, to not walk in, in our sin, to not walk in our own strength, to not walk in the futility of decisions that we make time and time again. Because if you look in, in verse 14, actually start in verse 13, you see David speaking, saying, first come children in verse 11, but in verse 13 he says, keep your tongues from evil and your lips from speaking to see. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's sin. That's the junk that Christ died on the cross for because his justice demanded payment for that stuff. And so David is calling us in personal obedience, saying take refuge in him, align our will with his will. And it says, keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Our heart is devastated in praise to Christ when we elevate our personal disobedience and our sins and we start to try to manage these things ourselves and we try to um, soothe ourselves and we try to dig our way out of those different things. And what, God, what David and what God is calling us to do is to take refuge in him, align our hearts with who he is. And we can take refuge in that. And our personal obedience flows from that fear of the Lord. Our praise flows from that fear of the Lord. One commentator wrote, to fear the Lord first begins with an attitude of praise. Reinforced by living according to the knowledge of always being in his protection and bringing one's place, attitude, and heart into obedience with him. I don't know where everybody's at. Maybe, um, maybe this is your first time hearing about who Christ is. Maybe you just need to be reminded of it. But this last section, starting in verse 15, we see this wonderful description of who God is, this wonderful theology of God. Because... Not only do we need to praise him continually and praise him wholeheartedly, we need to praise him because of who he is. Verse 15 reads, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. What a beautiful description of who God is the, the personal relational aspect of this mighty, awesome God 
worthy of our praise, saying that, that the Lord has his eyes towards the righteous and his ear towards their cry. What an attentive father. The face of the Lord is against those who dwell, who do evil to cut off the memory from the earth. So when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. Do you see that refuge that he's providing, that safe place to be? That it doesn't matter what life circumstances are, that he's providing something that none of us can do for ourselves? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. I don't know if that describes you today, but it's described me before as well. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Folks, David's not writing this after the crucifixion. This is not fact checks about what happened in the New Testament. He is foreshadowing what Christ is going to be doing for us. And he's already speaking of the goodness That's just amazing to me that he is, God is using David in the psalm and he's describing what's going to be happening. And he's talking about how he keeps all of his bones together, not one of them is broken. If we consider how much abuse the body of Christ took, not even just on the cross, but even leading up to that, for that prophecy to be fulfilled, for it to be, to be spoken of so long ago and then to be fulfilled completely and perfectly, how can he not be praised? What circumstance in our life can overshadow that? Just practically, I'm thinking five pounds of pressure can break your collarbone. Folks, I can sneeze and do that. And the fact that our Lord fulfilled this prophecy going through such a traumatic experience with his body is amazing. He is worthy to be praised. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We don't see him talking about I'll change your life as far as circumstances go. But we see that he's going to meet us wherever we are. That he has proven himself to be faithful over and over again in his promises, in his commitment, in his justice, in his mercy, in his goodness, in his grace. And he's calling us to step out in faith to taste and see that the Lord is good. He's calling us to be wholeheartedly about him, that our soul would be postured, that it doesn't matter if it's a Monday or Christmas or Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life, that our soul would be postured in praise and thanksgiving. He, 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 the fact that he sanctifies us is cause for praise and for the fact of who he is as our Lord. He is worthy to be praised. At this time, I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And as we can start to consider what God has spoken to us through his word today. Fear begins with a heart. Fear of the Lord begins with a heart that continually praises. Not just on the outside, but the inner as well. Your very soul. It's built on our commitment to seek and remain in his protection to take refuge And fear is about us following in personal obedience to what he has done. We get so bogged down on what our suffering and sins are that we're experiencing because of our choices or others. And 
we give them so much weight and so much credibility, but he has already dealt with those. Sin and death has been defeated. If you're still wrestling around with sin and suffering and choices in your own strength, you're wrestling in vain because our hope lies in Christ. It's already been done. It's already been defeated. You simply just have to believe and accept what he has done is true, who he says is true, and that he is the only one. If you're here today and you've never made that decision or you're just wanting to know more about it or you just feel like the Holy Spirit's asking you to step out and ask some questions, let's step out in faith today. We're going to have prayer partners here at the front. There will be prayer partners back by the counseling room. We would love to meet with you and pray with you. Or maybe you're here and you need to be reminded of the goodness of God. Maybe it's been a while since you've stepped out in faith or you've had a hard time having that heart of praise because of continually just to work within yourself and trying to do things in your own will and you're tired and you're trying to fight. God can hear your cry today. It says that he bends his ear towards us, that his eyes are upon us. And so if that's you, then I pray that you would have the faith to step out and like David, air it out in transparency to live communally with the church that God has given us and let him enter into that situation with you. So as you uh, begin to think and pray and we get ready to pray and the, begin, the worship team begins to pray, I just pray that you'd be faithful to wherever God is leading in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just declare our desperate need for you. Lord, we do live in a broken world. There's no doubt of that. Father, there's such deep hurts and sins. But God, you have defeated them. Through your work on the cross, through your salvation, Father, they no longer have victory over us. So God, may we lay those down before you and cry out in faith and in a heart of praise of who you are. Just take refuge in love you and we pray this in your son's name, Jesus.